Thanks, Chris. Morning, family. Happy Palm Sunday. Have you, um, can you recall a time when you missed something really important? Um, you weren't able to be somewhere where something good was going on. You know those times when people go, you should have been there? You've had those moments? I think we all have. Or times you know that you should have been there. You missed something really important. I missed a wedding I was supposed to be officiating one time. I always get that reaction when I say that. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world, isn't it? Like, how could you do that? And I, um, it wasn't fully my fault. I just, I, I need to, I need to kind of tell you I'm stupid, but not quite that stupid all the time. And uh, they, 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 they had told me, you know, they wanted to get married on this date, but there's a whole process you know, you, they had to go through and tell them, go count, we have to do counseling, we'll have rehearsal, all of that. Get back with me. I tried contacting them, didn't, wasn't able to connect with them. And so they just went forward with it, and I, didn't, I thought they weren't getting married. But on the day, you know, you remember a day. On the day, I'm out, and I'm thinking, I feel like I'm missing something. It was quite a, what happened though, God has this way of covering you. My assistant pastor is at home and he hears God because I don't. So he, he hears the Lord say to him, go get a suit on and go to the office, go to the church. So he dresses up, gets a suit on, gets in the car, drives to church and there's some people waiting out front of uh, the church. And he does the ceremony. Just like we had planned it. <laughs> We've all missed important things. And, and sometimes we miss things simply um, because we're negligent. Sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes we can't be there at a certain point, you know. And it can be, you know, important things. Um, this day represents a really important event. Palm Sunday represents a really, really important event. And there are some people who showed up. And there were some people who missed it. And, um, and, the, and, and missing it was incredibly costly. And being there was incredibly rewarding on this day. Now, this story that we're looking at, Palm Sunday event, we talked about last week, and we talked about the importance of worship, and uh, that we're not supposed to let rocks take our role as worshipers. But um, today I want to give you a little background to the story, and... Um, and and for those that are kind of hearing it for the first time, it's one of those, ah, oh, really? Wow. It's one of those moments. I know the first time I read this and studied it and found out what was actually happening, it was one of those, wow, times. Now, it starts off, Jesus decides 
he's going to Jerusalem. But there's been problems in Jerusalem. And there are people who want to kill him. And he's been in Galilee for a while. Now, Galilee's kind of like San Diego, and Jerusalem would be, you know, uh, Orange County. So he's off in Galilee for a while, and, uh, and there's, he's got a pretty good following. But he says to his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem. They try to talk him out of it. They, they know there are people after him. But see, Jesus knows that he's going there for the purpose of dying for the sins of the world. So he's, he's intent. In fact, the scripture says it this way. It says, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Steadfastly set his face. I'm going there. I'm going to do this thing. And so um, the setting is he's, he, he comes into a place you know, in Bethany. So Bethany would be like Corona to Orange County. You know, it's just outside of Orange County. I think, I think Corona's like in Riverside County, just out, outside. And then he's coming to Jerusalem. This, here's Jerusalem. It's 4905 East La Palma. So he's, he's, they're coming. He's going to come to Jerusalem. He goes to Bethany. His friends are there. He spends the night. He gets up and he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to go around the corner. There's going to be a donkey with their colt. Take them and bring them to me. And if they ask what you're doing, you just tell them the master has use of them. And they do. And now he, he hops on a donkey and he starts heading toward um, he starts heading toward Jerusalem. Now, he received worship. They started, you know, we, we talked about that. It's found here in, in verse 37. Let me just read it of chapter 19 of Luke. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice and all, of all, for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, let me show you just, um, here's a picture of really, uh, this is a modern day, but this road where the people are walking is the road that Jesus came down from the Mount of Olives. This was the common road. Of course, it didn't look like this. They have walls on the side and so forth. It's built out. Um, but they would walk down here. Jesus would come down here. And then he would stop as he's overlooking the city. And, uh, and at that point, he prayed and he prophesied. Now, the temples, take a look um, uh, uh, at the, um, the, there's a gate, a closed gate. There it is. See how magically I do that? <laughs> There's a closed gate. Now, that's the eastern gate. By the way, that's, that's a, I don't have time to, the Bible prophesies that that gate would be closed. It's been closed, it was closed by the Turks, and it would not be opened until the Messiah, when he comes back, goes through that gate. They've tried to open that gate twice. The Turks tried to open it in the First World War to keep, um, because they thought the, the ramp was too, uh, too, too um, there was too much, uh, you know, too hard for the tanks, the uh, British tanks to come up. 
And so they could have access, and they would close all the other gates. And uh, so they tried to open it, and that's when, that's the whole story. They dropped pamphlets that they misread, and they thought that it was saying, Allah says, surrender, and they surrendered the city instead of opening the gates. That was one time. Second time, they tried to open it. King um, Hussein of Jordan was going to open this so the so that people could get to the Temple Mount from this side, because the only other place is on the other side, and he wanted to build a ballroom. They had the the, the actually the artil the you know the the equipment on the mount to, to open it up. The next day, the Six Day War broke out, and and they lost control of the city. So two, two times in the century, they tried to open that gate. And whoever was in charge lost control of the city. So, and the and the Muslims have put a they 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 put a um, a graveyard right in front. Those are all graves because they don't think that Jesus would walk through the. They're, they're trying to keep Jesus from doing that, <laughs> as if that's going to stop anything, right? Bible says there's an earthquake that'll open up. But when Jesus came down, the you know. This, this uh, on, the, on Palm Sunday, as he was walking up, he came through that gate. And on the other side of that gate, you see the um, Dome of the Rock? On the other side of the gate, to the right of the Dome of the Rock, would have been the temple. You would have seen the gold, beautiful temple. Dome of the Rock would not have been there, over there. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get back to that. This is called... Palm Sunday because they had palms, palm branches, and they put them down, and we referred to it. It's actually, uh, as it's oftentimes called, the triumphal entry. It's a time where Jesus is accepting worship for the very first time publicly. He's accepted it privately, but now publicly, declaring that he is the, the Messiah, that he's the Savior, and that he is God as he receives worship. But the people that are at, in that day when they were going down, they would not have called it Palm Sunday or triumphant, um, you know, triumphant entry. They would have called it Lamb Selection Day. That's what they would have called it. Lamb Selection Day. Because, see, for 1,500 years, the Hebrews celebrated when the, mo the most important day for them, and that was Passover. Passover was a remembrance when they were in Egypt, and the death angel would come, and they, were take they would take the blood of a lamb, they would take that blood and put it on their doorposts, and the death angel would pass by and not kill their firstborn. That brought deliverance. That's, it's a remembrance of them being delivered from Egypt and coming to the promised land. And that's what they celebrated for 1,500 years. And they would take, they take a lamb and they sacrifice it. But here's, here's the thing. Four days before Passover, before they sacrifice the lamb, they choose a lamb. And there's some requirements about choosing a lamb. The, the lamb had to be a certain way. They, they would pick a lamb and it had to be male, one year old. It had to be without defects. Um, it was chosen on the 10th day of the first month. 
and then it was sacrificed on the 14th day of which is Passover was Passover. So they they select the lamb. It has certain criteria, which always what does it point to? As John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God. So for 1,500 years, they're looking, they're, they're, they're rehearsing the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And on this day is the 10th. It's the 10th of Nisan. It's the, the, the first, uh, the, the Lamb Selection Day. And they all would take a lamb, they would, look, they would check it out, do their best, and then the lamb would live with them for four days. And in that, day, in that time period, they would just make sure, you know, there's no, nothing, you know, it's not limping, doesn't have anything wrong with it. They would do it. And it becomes kind of like a family pet, right? They love it and, and all of that because they're going to sacrifice that lamb and they're going to lay their hands on it and identify with that lamb their sins. And so that's what's going on. It's lamb selection day. And this lamb selection day is incredibly um, significant. This is not just a lamb selection day. This is the lamb selection day. So as Jesus is coming down, he stops and he prays over Jerusalem. We'll read about that in a minute. And then he move, goes on and he will go right through that gate and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll head to what would have been the temple right on the other side of that gate. While he's doing that, there's another march going on. There's another um, uh, group that are marching. And they're coming from that side, right there. And there, is a gate, there was a gate over on that side. And the people who are marching is the high priest and the, the priests that serve in the, the, the temple. And they have with them a lamb that they have selected for sacrifice. And they're singing the halal. They're singing praises. Of, and, and in fact, this, this uh, shouting, you know, Hosanna, save now, that's part of the praise that they're giving. It's they're, 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 they're singing the psalms. And they're singing these psalms as they're coming in to the temple as Jesus is going in that direction. They're, they're, they're shouting praises to Jesus to the Lord who is marching into that. Now Jesus goes into the temple. He gets furious at the money changers in the temple. He turns over the tables and kicks them out. He says, you have made my father's house, which is to be a house of prayer, a den of thieves. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of the, what takes place on, that, on that, uh, that day. Now I said this day is incredibly significant. It's very significant because it's not only lamb selection day, it is the lamb selection day. The lamb selection day. And when I say that, I mean that because a little over 500 years before this day, the prophet Daniel, God gives him a picture of the future and tells him that there is going to be a Messiah. The Messiah is going to come. Called the, he, he's referred to as a prince. The Messiah is going to come. And when the Messiah comes, 
he is going to, well, he, it, it, it says it this way. He is going to finish transgression. He's going to make an end of sin. He's going to make reconciliation for iniquity. He's going to bring an everlasting righteousness. That's all part of what he's going to do. Then Daniel writes, and I'm going to read it to you, um, in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. And he says, Know therefore and understand from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. From the going forth to restore and build, the going forth of the command. Everybody say command. The command to restore and rebuild and build Jerusalem. Now, this command um, was given by Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes made this command to go back and restore and build. And we actually know when he did that. We know it not only in the Bible, in, in, the, in the, uh, the scriptures that tell us, that in Nehemiah, the first chapter, tells us when that happened. But we actually have extra biblical, archaeological um, support to when that actually happened. And when it happened, it happened on the 445 B.C. It was a long time ago. Time-wise, it was incredibly crucial. We know when it happened that God said, from that time, and listen what he says, until Messiah the Prince. Until the Messiah comes, he says, there shall be seven sevens, or sometimes some of your Bibles say seven weeks. Don't get confused with that word weeks in there because a week is like, we have terms like decade. That's 10, right? At 10. A week in their days was seven, just seven. So it's seven, seven. That's, it's, and it's talking in years, not, not days. Seven, sevens. What is seven, sevens? You got your math on that? 49. Okay. Seven, seven, 49. And 62 sevens, I'll help you do the math on that. That's 434 years. So 49 and 434. Why does he break it up? Why didn't he just say 483, which was the, both of them? Because the first one would be the time frame that it would take to rebuild the temple. And then he adds 434 to it because it's, it's both of those together, 483 years until Messiah. So we know when the command came. Daniel says, when the command comes, it's 483 years. Now, until Messiah. And it says, uh, and, and, and the street shall be built again, the wall, even the troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. The Messiah shall be cut off, not for The word cut off means he's going to die. Okay? So the Messiah is going to die, but then he says, listen to this. This is 500 years before Jesus, but he's not going to die for himself. Who's he dying for? Turn to your neighbor and say, you. You. He's dying for you. He died for you. Now, this day that was prophesied you could count it and um, 
A great work was done by Sir Robert Anderson. He was a Scottish investigator and did work on this, counting the days, knowing the, the um, Jewish year was different than, you know, than our calendar year at 360 days and 365, and came to the place where the day, to the day, exactly 483 years to the day is Palm Sunday, the Palm Sunday. Now, the Jews would have, the, especially the, the, the religious leaders would have known this. This is not something hidden. This is a very open prophecy. Understand, remember, from generation to generation, for, four, for almost 500 years, they've been looking forward to Messiah. They talk about Messiah. They pray for Messiah to come. They're look, and they have a time frame given to them on when the Messiah is coming. So when it's getting close, they probably were, were, had been talking about it. We know that there are several people for, you know, Simeon and Anna in the temple who are looking for the Messiah. They're ready. They're praying that they would see the Messiah. And, uh, and God honored that when he was born. But So there are people looking for Messiah. But when Messiah comes, he is not what they expected him to be. And even though there's no other in that time, there's no other person that it could possibly be, they reject him. They don't want him to be Messiah. I mean, what do you do? If, if he's not the Messiah, where do you go? Is there anybody else? You know? And, and so here's the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world on Lamb Selection Day has been selected as the people are worshiping and declaring him as Messiah as he's coming down and he's headed toward Jerusalem. And he's on a donkey. And Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. That's what they're doing. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, humbly, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So here comes Christ. And he is fulfilling Daniel's prophecy. Now there would be people after him that maybe would declare themselves as Messiah, but they're kind of like they're too late. You know, there's only one time. And, and if you're going to find a Messiah, that the Bible has been, you know, Bible prophesies the Messiah's coming from third chapter of Genesis all the way through. There's, there's continued prophecies about the Messiah. You only have one to choose from. You only have one time frame. And he rode in on that day to be the savior of the world. Now, Jesus stops and the scripture says he weeps. And let's look at verse 41 as we follow this. He prophesies over Jerusalem and he weeps. And the Bible says, now as he drew near, he saw the city, wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially on this, your day. See, this day is really important. He says, if you would have known, especially on this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground. 
and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. So he says to them, if you would have only known, but you rejected, right? And kind of you're on your own, but I know what's going to happen. And the enemy's going to surround you. And in 70 AD, that's exactly what happened as the Roman legions came in under Titus, surrounded Jerusalem, and attacked, and a fire broke out. Titus had told his army, do not touch the temple. I don't want you to destroy the temple. A fire broke out. And when they saw the gold melting out of the mortar of the temple, they couldn't stop them. And they just tore every stone. As Jesus said, not one stone would be upon another. Every stone was taken apart, that, entire, that temple, just as Jesus said. And they were taken into captivity. And they were t- not only taken into captivity, but from that point on, they were, they were scattered all over the world. And uh, not until 1948 or prior to that as they start to come back to their, their land and now are in the land nearly 2,000 years later, as God had said he would do eventually. He's finishing that verse. It says, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because you did not know. Let that kind of run in your head. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. In other words, you should have known. The, you, you got ample warning. You got ample warning. I, I, I wonder how many people will, and I don't, I don't want to be a downer on this, but it's just a reality. How, how many people had a visitation by God in their life? You know, they, they, they came and they heard the gospel. And, and they, they were told, this is the means of salvation. You need Jesus in your life to forgive you of your sins. Otherwise, you're going to stand before God in your own unrighteousness. And then you're going to have to face the consequences of your unrighteousness before a holy God. I wonder how many people did not know the day of their visitation. Or how many people said, you know, I think that's probably right, but I'm not ready to follow Jesus and they, 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 they kind of get in their mind that somehow it's going to be oppressive to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe I'll do it later. And they really had the faith to respond then, but they never have the faith, faith again to respond later. The, 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 the consequences of missing the day of visitation is a huge one. You know, why didn't they know? Now, what would have been different if they said yes? What would have been different if all these Jews throughout the nation, what if those millions of people would have responded to the Messiah? This is the Messiah. This is who God told us that he would be. We don't understand everything about what he's going to be like, but we believe he is. He's, he's, he's doing miracles. He's raising people from the dead. He's doing, this has got to be the man. It's the time. It, it's happening. It has to happen now, and he's the one. What if they would have responded? What would have been different? Well, it would not have stopped Jesus from going to the cross. He would have still gone to the cross. But the Jews would not have been the ones who were, you know, promoting or, you know, making it happen. It would have been the Romans. He still had to go to the cross. This was not an, uh, you know, uh, uh, an if, you know, either or situation. Jesus had to die for the sins of the world. 
But the Jewish people, as a, as a group, as, a, as a, a nation, they would have still retained their responsibility and they would have been, you know, as the called chosen people of God. Not the ones, chosen doesn't have, in that sense, doesn't have anything to do with them being called in, and they're saved because they're Jews. That's, that's, the word cho- chosen there means they're chosen for a, for a calling. And their calling was to be the, a representative to the world. And their nation would have been a representation to the world. You know, when they served God, they were the most blessed people in the world. That nation would have been the most blessed nation in the world if they would have responded. And the world would have looked to, 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 uh, to the Jews and they would look to, to uh, the blessing. And that doesn't mean that the, the church wouldn't have happened. I believe the church is simply grafted in. We're just part. We, we are God's people too. And we, we add, God adds add us in in the, in the chosen group as well. And we carry that. But they rejected that. And if you have received Christ, and you, you know, those of you have, you responded to the day of visitation in your life. The day of visitation for you, at least a day of visitation. I want to go to Matthew 23, and this story is also there. Matthew adds a few more things that give us a little bit of insight to it. Matthew 23 and verse 37, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together. Isn't that, I mean, is there, isn't that, aren't those sad words? How often I wanted. See, God's desire, God wants, but he won't override people's free will. His desire is how, how often I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers chicks under her wings. I wanted to be that protector. I wanted to be that comfort for you. I wanted that for you. I wanted that. But you were not willing. So even though God was willing, they weren't willing. That tells you a little bit about our free will. We have choices to make. And God might be willing and wanting to bless you, and he does. God is willing to embrace you. God loves you and cares about you, and he will, if you will, allow him to be who he wants to be to you. But it is our choice. He says, see, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see, no, see me no more till you say... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's say that together. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until you say, listen, in other words, okay, you've lost your, 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 you've lost your place, Israel. And you're going to wander all over the world, but I'm going to bring you back. And we know that from other places in Scripture. He's, he, 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 and he has done that. He's already brought them back to the land. He's already given back Jerusalem. And someday they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Zechariah says, they will look upon him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn. And that will be a mo- moment of repentance and revival for the nation of Israel. We look forward to that. G, you know, G, God says, uh, you know, Paul said in Romans, he says, 
if they're, if they're casting away has, has brought us a place and blessing, how much more will their return? When that po- point comes, we all are benefited and blessed as a result of that. God was incredibly patient. This that came upon them, he, he waited over and over again. Second Chronicles, Chronicles 36 says, And the Lord God of your fathers sent warning to them by his messengers, rising up early and saying to them, because he had compassion on his people and, and, and on his dwelling place. Generation after generation after generation, God kept calling them, Come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. Psalms 86, 15 says, And you, O Lord, are God, full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in mercy. Come back to me. Even when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Willing to embrace them. Willing to embrace us. They didn't just miss the visitation. They didn't just sleep through it or forget it or just misunderstand it, they could all have claimed that reality, but they didn't want it. They didn't want it. You can can make excuses, but you have to make a choice. And although the nation missed the time of their visitation, there were people who didn't. They were blessed. Although the entire nation didn't respond, individuals did. And God blessed them, as he will with us, if we respond. See, we have visitation moments in our life as well. Some are big and huge. Sometimes they're, they're life-changing and directive. I was talking to someone who, who um, you know, uh, years ago made a decision uh, to follow Jesus, and they were... They were uh, freed from a bondage. Actually, it was an alcoholism was their, their, their bondage. But it wasn't just a bondage in their life. It was a bondage in, in his uh, parents' life and his grandparents' life. And as far back as you remember, there was a, a similar bondage that had just been passed on from generation to generation. And when he responded to the visitation of God in his life, and Jesus delivered him and set him free, he broke it. And so it's not just his life changed, but now his family, as they're following Jesus, as they're walking in, this is generational now in the generations of blessing instead of the generations of curse because of what Jesus does. Sometimes it's huge. This morning, my wife sent me a, a text. She left the, the house earlier than me, and, uh, and she sent me this text. It is very humbling to think that the God who created this amazing sunrise and beautiful day thought of us as a prize worth giving his only son. It's just a moment of visitation. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes we look at a sunrise and we're reminded of God's goodness and we praise him. And in that moment, there's a visitation of God's presence a visitation of his spirit as our hearts are touched by the Lord in moments. So we have huge ones and we, we have these other times and these are moments. And listen, when, we are, when God touches us and visits us, there's usually a response that is part of that, that, that is transformal in our life. Sometimes huge, sometimes minor, but God visits us. 
Now, sometimes we make ourselves unavailable for God's moments. You know, uh, there's a small crowd in, of Galileans there, but the rest of Jerusalem isn't there. The, the, there are people that never show up. There are people that miss it, like Thomas, you know, when Jesus rises and everybody's there, and it was one of those, you should have been there moments. Thomas wasn't there. He's called Doubting Thomas because he didn't believe when they said Jesus came by, came by, you know, rose from the dead. Then Jesus shows up, kind of redeems it for him. But, but you know, there, there are times when we miss, we're unavailable, we're, we're just so busy in our lives, and we miss opportunities for visitation moments. You know, maybe, who knows why they, the, some of those people weren't there. Maybe they were at the, the donkey polo game, you know, and they didn't, they weren't able to, to, to be there on, you know, when Jesus was, was coming down. Who knows? We have a lot of reasons why sometimes we miss opportunities when God wants to meet us and visit us and, and touch our lives. Sometimes we, um, we're too, we are too satisfied with pa- past God moments. We're too satisfied with past God moments, you know. Th- th- there are those who probably said, well, we have Moses. That's good enough. Well, one greater than Moses has showed up. I- I'm grateful. I have had some wonderful, I look back in my life, so many wonderful moments with God. So many wonderful times, visitation moments. When I came to Christ, early in my walk with God, I, I remember, I remember uh, times when, you know, in, in worship service where I felt the presence of God so strongly and in prayer meetings where I, I couldn't get off the floor. The presence of God was so strong, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't move. I just sensed his presence. Sometimes it's been in gatherings in church services where I've heard God and my heart was touched so hard. You know, and tears come down and you feel the presence of God. And I could spend the rest of my life living on my past. I've had enough. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I want more encounters with God. I don't want to miss God just because I've had some in the past. I don't think he's done. I think he still wants to work in my life. I think he still wants to transform me. I think he still wants to bless me. I still believe God. And if you live in the past and you're satisfied there, you might not pursue what God has now. And that would be a big mistake. It would be a huge mistake. Sometimes we look for, seek, we look for, seek, and embrace God moments. I mean, we're pursuing it. We're ready for it. We want it. They, those who saw it, those people that were there on Palm Sunday, they were waiting for Jesus to show up. They had an anticipation. If I show up, Jesus is going to show up. They had to show up before Jesus showed up, right? He had done some miracles. They're looking for him. The crowd is already there when he gets the donkey. They're ready to, you know, put their, their, their clothes down and the palm branches. They had already gathered the palm branches. They were anticipating. They were waiting. I, I, I find myself, I am more receptive to 
God moments in my life when I am anticipating God's presence. You know, when you come to church, I, you know, when I come to church and I go, I'm just excited this morning. I know God's going to touch. I know God is going to be, I understand. I mean, I think about it. It's just not, you know, I'm just, I just have a duty to do and I come and sit in church. Like we talked about last week, we usher in the presence of God. When there's anticipation, I come into church kind of prayed up a little bit and I have anticipation of the presence of God. And when I worship, I'm not just singing you know, rotely, and I'm not just letting my mind wander off to, you know, who knows where, but I'm actually engaged with God in worship. When that happens, I'm more receptive, and when the presence of God starts to touch my heart, I start to be more inclined to receive it, what God is saying and what God is doing. They, they were waiting on Jesus to serve him. Let me just say this. Those who serve God they get more moments with God. God honors that. It's not a works thing. It's not like you work and then God will bless you because you're working. But it's the attitude of serving that opens your heart to receive more from God. Servants get more. They're they're there to serve whatever is needed. And then lastly, they were waiting for Jesus to deliver them. They were crying out, save now, Lord, save us. Some of us have, we have things in our life that need, we, we need to rescue from. How many are, you could use a miracle like right about now in your life. You're at a place that you, you can think, boy, you know, I, I could go for it. A lot of us, the majority of us could use a miracle, right? We're, we're, we're in a place, but we come with anticipation of God and wait upon him to deliver us. And, and that's kind of the attitude that those who received and got the blessing on Palm Sunday to see the Lord, that's their attitude. They were there, Lord, responding in that way. And then my last point is not on your notes, but it's the most important, unless somebody added it, and I just want you to write it down. See, first of all, we have visitation moments ourselves, But here it is. We bring visitation moments to others. We bring visitation moments. You see, because of Christ and because of the resurrection that we get to celebrate next week, awesome, because of the resurrection, that means this for us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, and wherever we go, God goes. And there's a presence of the Lord. And we're walking in the Spirit. The presence of the Lord can be felt through us, experience through us. We are, in fact, bringing visitation moments, God visitation moments to other people's lives. When you stop in, at the restaurant and the server comes up and you go, hey, listen, we're about to pray over our meal, but is there anything we could pray for you about? And they say, yeah, you know, my kids, you know, been sick or my my, you know, and, and they just open up a little bit to you and to, to pray at that moment. And you say, Let it, can we just pray for you? And we just pray. We bring Jesus. It's a visitation moment into that, those people's lives, you see. And we, we're, when we're sharing and we're talking Jesus and we're sharing our story, we're bringing that. You know, people sense it. I know because 
I've experienced it, and it's not because I'm a pastor. It's just because, like you, as I just spend time with Jesus, the presence of the Lord is there. There are times when the presence of the Lord can actually be sensed by other people. And you pray, I, how many times, I can't tell you where my wife and I have prayed for somebody and the tears run down their cheeks and they don't know the Lord, but they discover God's goodness and God's love and we brought the visitation of God into their life. And don't underestimate what you have. Don't underestimate that. I think it's a mistake of the church. It's a mistake of the body of Christ. See, that's why the devil loves to condemn us. You know, you're, you're just not perfect enough. You know, the pastor can do that because he's such a perfect guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you can't. You don't have what it takes. You're not righteous enough. You're not holy enough. You're not... Don't, let, don't underestimate what God the presence of the Lord in you can do to touch others and to bring his presence into a situation because you're there. You bring the visitation of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, today we celebrate when you came down, Lord, that road on that, on that day that day the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and lord i pray for everyone lord here today who lord is distant from you and i'm going to ask for those of you just say you know that would you know you would acknowledge that maybe you've been neglecting your relationship with god maybe you've never started that you've never accepted christ as your savior this is your visitation day Maybe, you know, whatever, for whatever reasons, you would just say, I really need Jesus right now. I need Jesus. Would you just lift your head up and let your eyes meet mine on pray for you and embarrass you? Yeah. I see you. You? Yes. Yes. Okay, is there any others? Yes. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for these. I pray for these, Lord, that are responding to you right now and saying, I need you. Some of these people I already know, they, they've said yes to you before. But some of these people, Lord, are people I know that this is the very first time they're opening their heart to you. And I want to just invite you to pray this prayer with the rest of us. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins, was buried, and conquered death. And Jesus, I receive you. You're my Savior. I put my faith in you. I ask you, cleanse my soul. Make me whole and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Listen, in a minute, we're going to, uh, we're just going to pass the bucket around for those who would like to give. Um, but 
when that happens, um, uh, if you accepted Christ, would you let us know? Use your connection card and let us know. We take prayer requests. People will be putting in all the prayer requests and so forth as we, we do that. So let's, we're going to pray for that. And then we're going to close because giving is an act of worship. We're going to also close in worship. And, uh, and we'll just take a, a couple minutes to lift our voices and our hearts to God and, uh, and gratefully thank him this, uh, this, this morning. Father, I ask that you bless as we bring our offering to you and multiply it in Jesus' name. Amen.